The following audio comes from the National Disciple Making Forum by Discipleship.org. The theme was relationships, and D6 Family hosted a track called Discipleship in the Home. How are you doing with family discipleship at your church? Well, D6 Family has put together a free assessment to help you discern exactly how your church is doing at equipping parents to disciple their kids. This is called the Church Health Assessment, and it's just 30 questions. They've even included scoring instructions so that you can do the whole thing for free. It's a PDF available at discipleship.org D6, and that's the letter D and the numeral six. Now here's today's track session from D6 Family. Now, before we get started in the official part of it, let me just say that when we talk about in the home, lots of things are going to just naturally fall under that mom and dad to kids thing, but we all use our homes in so many ways. We've got company that comes, we have, we open it up in hospitality to other people, we've got neighbors, and so all of this can apply to however we use our homes and our everyday lives to capture those teachable moments to insert uh, biblical truths and point others to, to Jesus in our everyday uh, interactions with them. So um, most of this is going to be ap- applicable to even if you're in a, a teacher in a classroom, if that's your job, if you're in the workplace, just looking for those opportunities to insert scripture, to insert biblical truth as you speak to other people and encourage them. Um, Steve and I, just to give you a little bit of background on us, we've been married for 27 years and we have three daughters. <laughs> and um, one is 24 years old, she's a school teacher in Metro. One is a sophomore in college learning to be a teacher. And then we have a high school senior um, who's not quite sure what she wants to do, but she's going hard and fast for Jesus and that's all I care about. So <laughs> that's, that's a good right. thing. Um, and so we um, went to Bible college. Steve is a children's pastor at our church and has a ministry degree. I've got a Bible degree, an English degree, and we just knew when we started our home that we were going to just do it the right way. We were going to have family devotions every night, and it was going to be beautiful, and it was not really the way it worked out. No, as a matter of fact, every time she said that, I'd be like, Ugh, I don't really know how to do that. Uh, okay, so let's Yes, and I can remember there'd be times he'd go to a men's conference or whatever, and he would come home, and I'd have the baby, and we'd be whatever, and he'd be like, hey, at 6 o'clock tonight, we're going to have family, we're going to do something. And I'd be like, okay, if the baby cooperates and the supper's done by then, and we'll see, you know, but, you know, I'm juggling all this stuff, and so it would come 6 o'clock, and I'd have water about to boil over for noodles over here, and the baby needs a diaper change, and she's also about to have to eat, and what in the world? And so I can remember just feeling like, oh, I want to support him in this. I want him to be able to lead our home this way. I know that's what God's plan is. But I, it's not working. It doesn't fit right here, and I don't know what to do. And I can remember going, "Okay, okay, read it, read this scripture, hurry up, all right, all right, amen." You know, like just having that. And I might not have been that way on the outside, but that's the way I was feeling on the inside. So there's no way I got anything from that. And I know it wasn't um, encouraging to him. So the Lord really had to get hold of me. But I think we realized early on that we were making it too hard. We were trying to make it too official, too. Um, you know, had to follow all these rules. I mean, let's think about it. When you think about family devotions, or if you were to ask 
some people. You know, it, it, people have that, that beautiful Norman Rockwell picture where the snow's falling outside, even if yes. it's July, because that's just beautiful. And, you know, there's a fire in the fireplace, and there's fresh bread in the oven, and everyone's gathered in the living room with matching cardigan sweaters. And, um, Rosy cheeks. Yes. And Grandma's Bible's open to the middle, and it's just got this beautiful bookmark in it, and Dad just waxes eloquently from the scriptures, and the children just, Daddy, tell us more. Can't you just you hear know? the angels singing? And so, you know, we, you know, we're having fun with it, but the thing is, we try to make the concept of discipleship in our homes be something that I don't think the Lord intended necessarily. I think there's reasoning, and there's definitely merit for official, structured, specific times for it. But I think if we look at what um, the word says in Deuteronomy, we see what God says for us to do. Um, yeah. In, fact, you, um, you in Deuteronomy me. 6, it's kind of a, a very popular passage that, that has to do with how God has given the, the ultimate responsibility, the first responsibility to parents to, to lead their kids. And the life that we described that, that as we were young in our marriage and young in parenting and the, the confusion and the inconsistency and the, the feelings of, I'm not really sure how to do this or not knowing when to do it right. We really believe that, that many of the couples that are in our church and, and in the churches that, that you're representing, they're in the same place. They, they know they want to do it the right way, but they just, they just don't know how. And, and I do believe, and I agree with Katie wholeheartedly, we have a tendency to, to make it a lot harder than it has to be. Uh, and, we just, and so we just want to spend some time today talking about that. But if you've never been uh, familiarized with Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7, these are some amazing verses. Moses is speaking to the whole, the whole nation and uh, talking to them about um, how they need to, to act and live moving forward. And he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So he starts with, with making it personal. Every single individual person has to be willing to pursue the Lord for themselves. But he didn't stop there. And he said, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts and impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Man, these are an incredible, uh, beautiful picture, I feel like, that kind of shows us uh, of what can happen in your real everyday life, of how you can take those things that you've learned, apply them to your life, and keep them close to your heart, and have them impressed upon your children. And I like to think about what those verses would have said had the Lord chosen to have them written in our culture in the kinds of language that we use. And I think that if we were to apply, let's say the Katie Greenwood version, the KGD, um, <laughs> we might hear something like, you know, talk about these things with your kids while you're in the grocery store line, when you're on the way to soccer practice, when you're cleaning up the bonus room together, when you're uh, helping at a birthday party, when you're washing the dishes together. Basically, when he says, when you lie down, when you rise up, when you sit, when you stand, and when are we doing something other than one of those things? And I think basically what he was saying is, in your everyday life, just make it a natural part of how you communicate, of how you handle things, what you, what you say and what you do with your kids. Um, 
be intentional about me, I think is what he was saying. Because let's be honest, how many of us, if you are a parent, did you ever have a kid wake up and say, hey, could I please go brush my teeth? I love brushing my teeth. It's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> Mommy, can I please just go sit in the car seat? Because I love it when the buckle's on. I love sitting in my car seat. You know, we're intentional to teach our kids the importance and the value and the need for brushing their teeth, for eating healthy things, for being buckled up, even when it's not comfortable. So even more so, we should with our kids, but also with the spiritual kids that we have in our lives, with neighbors, with neighbors' kids, with family members that don't know the Lord. Anytime we've got an opportunity to intentionally insert scripture into conversation, it's the right thing to do. And I think it's what Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7 is saying mm -hmm. that we should do. Yeah, basically, it's really talking about capturing those teachable moments. Okay, you want to talk about what, what's a teachable moment? Okay, so teachable moments, I mean, obviously you probably have already heard about this, but teachable moments are just those times, they're usually spontaneous. It's not the same thing as an object lesson where you plan and you purposely like talk about something, but this is just a spontaneous on-the-spot commercial, if you will, of how something, an everyday life happening um, or situation can illustrate or reflect some truth in God's Word. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll talk about some specifics of those as we go on. Yeah, but it's, it is about capturing. When you think about the word capture, that's not something that's passive, right? If you're playing the game Capture the Flag, you know, I can remember when I was a kid, I loved playing Capture the Flag. And you know, you don't just sit and hope the flag drops in your lap. You gotta go find it, you know, you gotta intentionally pursue it. So it's like you're switching on a radar to look for those moments that are gonna come into your life at all those different times. Cause you know, as, as uh, random as kids can be, you're literally like five seconds away from the next teachable moment. You just never know what it's going to be. So we wanna take captive those opportunities to, to pour something in spiritually. You've probably thought about the fact that if, if kids come to every single thing that your church provides, or teens, or whatever the age group that you work with, if, if that's really the only spiritual food they take in, that's not enough. That one or two hours in a, in a whole week of 168 hours, it's just not enough. That's why it's so critical that, that we, we teach parents how to take advantage of those teachable moments. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's intentionality. You'll hear us say that word over and over, but you don't capture something by accident, typically. You're intentionally going after it, doing what's needed to capture it, to gain control of it or whatever. Um, what are some activities that your neighbors, families around you, kids in your church, your classes, what are some things people are involved in that, that you see? Like we've got great big travel ball in our area. We've got some kids who are always doing some kind of baseball game or another. And I'm talking, these are kindergartners. They're on travel ball team. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some things that you guys know kids and families are involved in and they're really heavily invested? Football. Football. Um, piano lessons. Gymnastics. Goodness, yes. We need a Fortnite one, yes. Yeah, Fortnite is oh, one. Oh, my word. Yep. You know, if we're not careful... I know there's a name for that. Oh, yeah. There is a name for Fortnite. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, man. That may be a seminar in and of itself. <laughs> it's so true. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. 
Two, yeah. It's a side note. Two weeks ago, we did a thing where we, we allowed the kids to come up to these big pieces of paper and write or draw different things that they thought of related to that particular lesson. 90% of it was Fortnite related. <laughs> and they're doing the dances, and I'm not going to try to do those, but they were all, everybody's flossing, everybody's doing all these crazy dances all the time, and it's all about that Fortnite thing. So, yes. crazy. Well, the thing is, if we're not careful, the people around us in our culture, kids especially, are going to start to expect that God is in my Sunday box, and possibly if you do a Wednesday night something, he's in my Wednesday night box, but what about all the other days? And so, one day I heard kids saying, oh, it's Tuesday, oh, okay, it's piano lessons. And, oh, it's Friday. Oh, it's babysitter night. Mom and Dad get a babysitter and we go out. The thing is, if we're not careful, like every one of these should be a church thing. Every, or not church, a, a Jesus, a God thing. But if we're not careful, just the Sunday and Wednesday are, and the other ones get filled up with other things because we're not teaching intentionally that God is part of our everyday life. It's not just something we put in our Sunday box, something we put in our Wednesday box. Mm -hmm. And even as believers, when we're talking to our neighbors, when we're talking to the person in the grocery store line, you know, we've got to be careful to look for opportunities to let them know that I'm a Christ follower every day. I'm not just a Sunday-only follower. And I guess in order to uh, say that, we actually have to be that. And if we're not careful, it's too easy to fall into that. Mm -hmm. um, oh, that's not what I do on this day. Right. My focus today is, you know, I do laundry on Tuesdays or mm -hmm. grocery shopping on Fridays or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Jesus shows us great examples. He's always the, the example we can look up to. And uh, there is a, there's lots of great examples in Scripture. But in John 4, whenever uh, he met up with the Samaritan woman at the well, and uh, as he met with her and he asked her, will you give me a drink? And uh, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? Of course, you know, because Jews didn't associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So Jesus, Jesus is showing us just in the everyday life that he had, he was looking for those ways to, to, to insert those teachable moments. You guys uh, and ladies all know how that story goes from there. She ends up repenting, giving her heart to Christ, and goes back into the town to tell others, and we don't know what the rest of her story is, but we do know that Jesus thought that she was important enough to, to go to that to that um, to that distance with her, to, to talk with her, to, to draw out her feelings, to let her know that 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 God loved her and that He had a plan for her, and that He wanted to provide something for her beyond just what that everyday was. He made the connection between the everyday and like the eternal, and uh, that's that's what we hope we can we can encourage our parents to do. Now, I do want to say this, we, you know, because we, we work in the local church like many of you, and uh, you, you might be at, by this point, thinking, man, all that sounds good, but how do we actually get them to, to do these things? Because I've talked with parents in our church, and I've seen them nod their head, and but then I've also seen the blank stares, and then, and then I wonder, have, are you applying any of these things? That's always the biggest the biggest uh, issue, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But we just want to keep putting an exa putting examples in there before them, keep talking about it to get to help them pick up on these teachable moments. I love the way Jesus used everyday items and situations whenever uh, discipling others or, or, or calling them to himself. 
Um, I'm sure several of you can think of examples of how he did that. Anybody want to, to give an example? Not everybody wants. We can handle some silence. Come on, bring it on. Victory? Big tree. The big tree. Yes, absolutely. For a second, I thought you were from Lebanon, Tennessee. You said victory. Victory. Yes, the big tree. I mean, he's looking at things that are around them, that the people are familiar with. I mean, think about when he was talking to uh, Peter, James, and John. You know, he didn't say, hey, come and follow me. Let's go make some disciples. He said, let me make you fishers of men. It's the same thing, but he was speaking their language. He was talking to them in uh, a vernacular wording that was really comfortable to them. He didn't try to be above someone, and gracious knows he could have been. I mean, he was Jesus. He's God. And so he could have just really just made it all about real fancy kind of ways of doing things, and he didn't because he understood the need for meeting someone where they are and pulling them to himself from there. And I think, again, in disciple we can make it harder than it needs to be because we think there has to be some formal program or some formal curriculum. We've got all we need in the curriculum if we look at the word. And we have the example that we need in him. And so when we look at how he interacted with people and we ask the Lord, help me interact the way you did. How can I go through my day today? and capture some of those teachable moments. Look for opportunities to say things and do things that would point others uh, to you. I could think of a time with my daughters when we were at the beach and we were standing there together. And I don't know if you're like me, I love standing right where the water comes and seeing how long it takes before your feet get totally covered in sand because the water comes up and back and makes the sand move around. And um, I can remember the first time my youngest daughter experienced that. She was like, I can't get, I mean, it just makes the sand move and I didn't even move my feet and look, it's covered up. And so I was really, it was easy to say, Man, think about then why Jesus must have said it's so important for us to build our lives on something solid. That's why he used the example of not building on the sand. And here we were in that moment, and I would love to say that I like planned that or thought of it ahead of time. It was totally something that the Lord just kind of gave to me based on wordings that she said. I thought, oh, I could. And we, we've talked about that since, about how... You know, just every time you see sand now, you think about that. And so when we capture teachable moments and use everyday objects, everyday experiences, what happens the next time you experience that everyday object or that experience, there's a recollection, hopefully, um, that will come to the truth that you heard the last time you were at that place or the last time you took that hike and you had that talk with, with someone. Um, so those examples that the Lord gives um, are there for us to follow and for us to emulate. And so the fishing net, the fig tree, um, what are some others that you can think of? That one? Yes. And Jesus was talking to those people, very serious conversations. They were talking about divorce and some other things. And, and the disciples, he caught wind that the disciples were saying, hey, get your, can, take your kids over there. Jesus, can, do you not see what he's doing? And I feel like these words were used very uh, specifically because the Bible tells us that Jesus rebuked them. Now, here in Nashville area, we would say he fussed at them, y'all. You know? He looked at those disciples and he was like, how dare you? No way. You let them come to me because they matter. 
and I could say the same thing for those neighbors of yours who maybe don't dress the way that make you feel comfortable or have activities that you don't necessarily condone for your family or some of the different people that put, are put in our lives, we can very quickly be like, this is church stuff, could you please? I mean, we don't do that here. you know. And obviously there are boundaries we need to have, but if we're not careful, we can be like those, fair, those disciples and be very quick to uh, think we know what's best and holding them back when Jesus said, uh-uh. You let them come to me. And the Bible even says he took them in his arms and he blessed them. All these people are waiting for him to finish. He interrupted what he was doing. It would be like your pastor on Sunday morning or at an important conference like this for the speaker to say, hey, just a second, y'all. I'm going to take care of something. And if he was to just FaceTime with his little boy, you know, some people would be like, what in the world? But if his little boy just won a championship and he wanted to tell his daddy, I mean, I don't know. That's pretty exciting. Uh, so that's a great, it's one of my favorite examples. Mm -hmm, definitely. Well, you know, whenever it, one of the things that, uh, that families have hard time with, that we talked some of those deals of feeling a little uncomfortable, not being sure what to do. Uh, but then if you, if, if you muster up the effort and you, and you figure out something that you want to do, uh, whenever you go into it, we've experienced, I've experienced a lot of times where it was still, it was like, I've got this just right. I just know this is going to be a beautiful moment. And it still feels super duper awkward, you know. Um, and that's something that we've got to help. We've got to help families realize that they've got to push through. They've got to push past. They can't, they can't be discouraged by that. Uh, one of the things about it feeling awkward that, that is so strange is, is your family knows the things that you've kind of blown it on. You know, it's hard to start a Bible moment if you just blessed out your kid for something and you realize, well, maybe I was a little, a little harsh. It's hard to, so that's where some of that awkwardness comes from. It's awkward whenever, whenever you're trying to start that and maybe things aren't in a good place with your spouse. That can bring in awkwardness. So you've got to be able to Keep putting your best foot forward and keep on fighting past that awkwardness. That's what was something that, that everybody's going to deal with. And the first thing that, that we feel whenever we sense that awkwardness is we want to respond in a certain way. And, and what would that usually be, would you say? Yeah, never mind. Yeah, let's, let's, just, let's not do this. We'll, we'll try this again another time. And if you let that happen enough times, it's a week, it's a month, it's a year. And then maybe you're only you're only praying together on Christmas morning before they rip into their packages, you know, after you read the the, the Christmas story. And so you've got to you've got to push through the awkward. But I think we also need to help our families and ourselves because we we haven't figured this all the way out. I promise, uh, we're still learning every day. Past that awkwardness is you've got to you've got to realize the investment that's needed in those relationships. You have, to, you have to be on the right page, on the same page with your spouse for this to, for this to go well, to take away some of that awkwardness. You've got you've to be in a good place with your wife or your husband, and, and that provides a base of strength that, you know, whenever you say, hey, kids, let's come gather around, your wife doesn't go, oh, right, right after you just didn't put a new trash bag in the trash can. Now you're going to try this big guy? Mm -hmm. You know, I see you coming from a mile away. It, you know, and it's like, oh, no. But whenever things are right, and she's never, she's never done that to me. And whenever, 
And so, but whenever, whenever things are in, in the right place with you and your spouse first, then it's like when you say that, sometimes, you know, we just kind of share a look across the room. It's like, yeah, this is a good time for this. Let's do that right now. There's something about that, you, you being on the same page with your spouse, that, that just really uh, is a boost to what you want to do with your kids. Because you're, you're providing, you're showing that unity that should be there in your marriage, right? So the awkwardness that can be there with your kids, you've got to work past that too. And I think some of the ways that you do that is is just the consistency of working on, on having those, those moments together. But I think it's also in the simplicity of them too. You know, we talked about not, not making it too hard. And uh, we, just, we just tell parents, look, just find uh, a devotion that, that has actual full Bible stories, not just little snippets or whatever. Uh, the kids' Bible app is awesome. There's a lot of great things out there that follow the main stories of the Bible. And, and I think that is great. You just, you just get your family there. You just open the Bible and you just read it. And you don't have to, you don't have to add anything to the Bible. There's something transformational and magical, I love that term, magical, about the Bible. Whenever we, I've been teaching groups of kids that are just buck wild, can't do a thing with them, but when we get to the portion where we are literally going through what the Bible says in a certain narrative or story, it's quiet. And it has grabbed a hold of their hearts. And I think the same thing, I know we've seen the same thing happen with our kids. So the more you do it, the easier it becomes. you gotta, you got to push through the awkward and let it become a natural thing. Something that, that the kids in your home that come to visit you expect. You know, and if it's, if it's kids from other homes, you know, because let's face it, there are kids and teens in our churches that are you know, kind of spiritual orphans. Even if their parents are believers, they're just not as plugged in. They're not as serious about it. Maybe they're only, they're just only taking that one spiritual meal a week at church. And when those kids come to your house, let them see an example. Let them know that this is what goes on in this home. Um, and they're going to they're gonna make it about God's word. They're going to make it about what the Lord is doing in the, in the world around us. Work to just make that a natural thing. Yeah. I think also we need to remember that capturing a teachable moment doesn't mean preaching a full message necessarily. <laughs> and I think you alluded to that just a little bit ago. But if we're not careful, we assume that a discipleship moment is a full-on, I mean, I'm just pulling out all the stuff. We're reading every verse in the Romans Road and the one before it after worship. it. We're doing, Turn yes. To this page in the hymnal. Um, you know, and we make <laughs> it so, again, so official or formal that if we're not careful, people miss the simplicity of the gospel and the beauty of the fact that Jesus did what he did and says, come to me. And, you know, we sometimes leave out the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we just need to be obedient in how the Lord uh, puts opportunities in our laps in the way that he presents them to us. We don't have to necessarily reel it in every time. Uh, we may have a sense from the Lord that we're supposed to go there. So I'm not saying don't ever offer any type of, you know, opportunity for response. But I think if we're not careful, we teach that discipleship is uh, in order to do it, you've got to do the, the first step all the way to the last step. And so many times we leave out the value and the importance of planting a seed. And again, that's another uh, term that's used, wording that's used in the word to, to remind us. You know, sometimes we're supposed to plant. Sometimes we're watering seeds that were already planted. 
sometimes we are the ones to harvest. Um, and it takes obedience on our parts in discipleship to know what that is and to sense the Spirit's leading so that we don't, when we're supposed to just be planting, we're over here trying to harvest something that's not even taken root yet. And then we get frustrated because it hasn't, there's no, you know, you don't see fruit from your efforts and so you just, well, why should I even do this? I must not be able to do this. I'm not going to do it anymore. Well, yeah, I can't do it. And that's where we mess up. I'm so guilty sometimes of doing it in my strength and in my timing instead of asking the Lord, hey, we're going to be with this family tonight. They're coming over to our house. Give us opportunities to say some things. Help us have some natural ways to point them to you. Uh, show us some things. And I'm telling you, there have been times when a verse will come to mind, a scriptural truth will come to mind at a, at a moment. And I'm like, where did that even come from? And I know it was from the Lord because I couldn't have done it on my own. And so it's just neat to see how sometimes, not sometimes, he just flat out fills in the gaps for us because we're a hot mess. Let's face it. We cannot do this on our own. No, on our best day, our most prepared days. And so really discipleship in our homes, whether it's to our own children, to our neighbors, to extended family, to one another, we've got to remember that it all boils down to our relationship with him and our obedience to him in the process. Because mm -hmm. our plans can be numerous. But if that's not his goal and his plan for my moments today, then I'm walking in futility trying to make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we always believe that that uh, when we get a chance to do something like this, that there's a lot of knowledge and a lot of wisdom to be gained from just from just hearing hearing from you as well. So as we've been talking about teachable moments and different techniques and things like that to, to grab a hold of those, maybe something popped into your mind that, that you have done or that you experienced yourself when you were younger that was kind of a teachable moment that resulted in a light bulb coming on for you. What are some things that you would, you would share with, you could share with, with all of us about tools or times like that in your own life? Yeah, he was saying that we need to be careful to speak the truth in love and not anger and to make sure those teachable moments are, again, I guess from the spirit so that we're doing it in the right way and we're not um, making it all about us and our agenda. Yeah, let's face it. Kids give us plenty of times to, to offer up correction um, and, and they need that. I mean, I needed it. I still need it. Uh, but they also need they also need it to be recognized whenever they've, they've made right choices, whenever they've, they've done they've done good things. And I think it's important for kids to see too, and even other adults that we deal with, they need to see us acknowledge our failures along the way too, and to apologize and say, you know what, I just spoke to you in a way that was inappropriate, and I'm really sorry. That's not who I want to be. That's not what I'm about, and I'm really sorry because that was disrespectful to you, and I just hope that you can forgive me. Will you please forgive me? Yes, right over here. That reminded me of something. You know, I'm very old, but my kids one time were teenagers. <laughs> and um, when they were, we had foster kids. We had nieces and nephews living with us. Um, and so we went through about two or three years like that. Well, my husband had the idea of starting a family night each week. So we would ha have it, you know, the kids did not have to work. They had, sometimes they did, but they loved family night because we ordered in a pizza and had Cokes. And uh, then we would start out by... Um, having, after we ate, of course, having um, 
complaints against the management. So the kids could complain against something that we did during the week. Like, like I remember our daughter saying, Dad, you yelled at me. You really yelled at me. And so then he would say, Tammy, I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me? I really I didn't mean to yell at you. It's interesting how that that can help your you as a parent change too yeah. and grow too. And um, then we would go around and they would oh, we would have a little Bible study too. I don't remember if that was the first or the last, but um, go around and saying complaints against each other. And then if there was a problem, my husband would have them come up with a solution to the problem. You know, mm -hmm. like hair blowing your hair and ruining your sister's hair. Like, mm -hmm. So you so, would have family nights where you would set up official times mm -hmm. to kind of air some grievances so the whole week wasn't just yeah, full yeah. of that negativity. Yeah. That's really great. Yes, right here. Um, over the years, we've had a lot of people live in our home that weren't necessarily a part of our family, but one of the things that we've discerned over the years, we recently had a Muslim gentleman live with us from Algeria who came to Christ, and one of the things that he said, though he had lived with some other Christian families, what really affected him for the gospel and for Christ in our home was just we didn't lecture, we didn't try to quote unquote reach him for Christ. Mm -hmm. We just loved him in Christ and just lived out our faith. And at times when things were teachable, you know, I was curious about what Muslims believe. And I said, well, why did Jesus have to be born of a virgin just to make him think? Mm -hmm. uh, because of what the Quran said. But just what he told us later when he came to Christ was he said, you know, what was needed was just the sincerity of just your home, that you just live life, and at times just talk to me about God in situations that just came up. So I think what you're saying, that teachable moment, being authentic and not worrying, because I'm an evangelist in my heart, so I always wanted to keep doing the Romans roll with them oh, yeah. yes. and everything else, but instead hold back and just say, you know, you're part of our family, you just, you just live and we love you, and Jesus is real. And, um, he just said that's what we really affect. And I think we would never admit to doing it, but we underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit sometimes because we just go ahead and take steps on our own because we don't see him at work. So we assume maybe he's not, so we better pick it up and do it ourselves, you know. Um, and I'm so guilty of that and not giving him time to do what he can do, what only he can do. And so I think there's so much value in that, you know, when Psalm 46, 10 says, be still and know that I am God. Concentrate on the fact, God's saying, look, I've got this. I want you to just chill out a little bit. Be still, rest in me. Let me show you what I'm doing. Let me fill you up so that you can then overflow to others. And then I can be doing what I do. But girl, you've got to chill. Because, you know, I just know sometimes he's looking at me going, come on! You know? That's, that's right. You're a hot mess, Katie. <laughs> I understand. I think I saw someone back that way. Yeah. Yeah, so now whenever you hear, even just, I mean, there probably aren't a lot of people giving you commands in your life at this age. But, you know, there's just something about that concept. When your dad said, obey first, yeah. ask yeah. questions yeah. later. And don't you think sometimes the Lord is yeah. like, look. Obey first. <laughs> right. You know, there's a lot of parallels, I think, in, in <laughs> dealing with other people and then the Lord dealing with us. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Um, I want to 
was just going to say that I feel like it's natural for us to always go with the spiritual gift that God's given us. Mm -hmm. We heard someone said that they have the gift of evangelism. I have a gift of teaching. And so God called us to homeschool our children. But what I really wanted them to really learn mostly was God's word. And so I just took that opportunity to read it aloud to them. And I just started somewhere in March in a reading guide. And it took us seven years. But we read through God's word all while they were learning to sit still at the breakfast table and eat. So their mouths were full. They didn't have a chance to talk to us. That's when I snuck it in to the point where they learned that that's what we did when we read God's word. And then also just praying in the moment for them. As things came up, they knew that we were going to pray. We were going to ask for God's wisdom, God's guidance, God's healing, whatever needed to happen. And so just yesterday, we had a little incident in our town where there was a grocery store where we had an active shooter in our grocery store that we always went to. And all my, my kids are 24 and 18 now, so they were at work. But when we got on the group text and we talked about the, the situation, they immediately went to let's pray for our neighbors that we know might be going to that store. So it was really quite gratifying for me to have it established early that it comes out later when they're older. Exactly. Exactly. You know, these, these teachable moments, uh, we've talked about capturing the ones that, and being aware and looking for the ones that are coming your way, but occasionally you will have, you'll have something that will happen to you when you're, when the kids are not with you or you're just by yourself and, and you, you can realize that, oh, this thing right here, this can be a teachable moment. We had one of these last week in, in our home that I will, our girls are growing up now, but I will be using this with the kids that I'm teaching. We, uh, in our house, we, I went walking through last Wednesday morning, and as I was walking across the living room on top of uh, this white cabinet that we have sitting, it's just a decorative thing, it's got a lamp on it, right, some books, and I look down, it's early, and there's this huge bug, I mean, huge bug, I mean, like, good, big old fat roach, I'm just like, <sighs> it caught me, oh man, it got me so good, and then I was like, wait a second, that... That's a fake bug. Okay, so she, she got me. We use uh, we do these little videos for kids ministry stuff, and uh, we had bought a whole bunch of those things, and so she stuck. She, we've been sticking them out in different places just trying to get each other. So she got me, and I was like, hmm, good one, Katie. So I got my stuff, and I went down the steps to the basement to the garage, and I got to the bottom step, and as I stepped on the step, I see a little rubber snake, like, sticking his head out, like this much of him sticking out, like, onto the step, and I was like, oh, Oh, man, she got me again. I was like, yeah, I was just about to call up. Yeah, okay, I found it. Good one, good one. And then I was like, I don't remember us having any rubber snakes. And I looked back down, and it was a real live snake. And he was, I was like, is he cold? Is he dead? And then he's like, he's moving a little bit. I'm like, I'm about to freak. I'm not, I, I'm not totally Indiana Jones about snakes, like super scared of them. But at the same time, I was like, you're in my house. I can't believe it. In the basement. So, so in the garage. basement, right. But hey, he's just one little slither up the stairs, you know. So I, I put my stuff down, and I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And so I grab this DVD case of Annie, the movie Annie. <laughs> I don't know why it was there, but I grabbed it, and I was going to pin it down and, and just try to grab it behind the head and take it out, right? So I, as I grab the DVD case and turn around, it starts to slither, and it's going to head back into the deep, dark, behind-the-freezer world. <laughs> and so it's a little one, and I'd already determined that it was just it was not a poisonous snake. It was maybe as big around as my pinky. So I just I grabbed the snake, 
And he instantly, he turned around and just bit me right on the pinky. And I was like, yeah! You know, and so I grabbed him by, by behind the head and yelped and went outside. And I threw the thing into the woods as far as I could, as far as I could put it. And uh, I, I had a huge laugh about it once it was all over with. But then it just hit me. This is, this is a story. This is something that can be used to teach kids. You don't let sin in, in your life. You don't, you got to get it out whenever you find it, you know get away from it. It will hurt you. And so that, that, those just take, just having that kind of mindset as you go through your day and go through your life, catalog those things that, that you know can have a spiritual connection. Uh, you don't want to manipulate anything, obviously, but if it's there, it's there, right? The Lord brings these things to us. We have the experiences that we have and all of them, everything we go through can bring God glory. Everything. So look for those teachable moments that are, that are spontaneous. Look for the ones that you can kind of come back to. We want to encourage you just definitely pour into the marriages, your own marriage, and to the marriages of the people in your church. Because if mom and dad are not stable, if they're not strong and growing, then they can't lead their kids. And then, then really focus on teaching them to take advantage of those moments. Deuteronomy 6. Help them remember that you're here as their partner, but it's not our job to take the, the reins and, and raise their kids for them. We are to be a partner to them. Try to focus on all of those things, and you'll see more discipleship in the home for sure. Yeah. Like even this time of year, not today as much because it's a little dreary and things haven't changed as much, but as the leaves start to change, whether you're talking to a kid, a neighbor, you know, just to say, oh my goodness, look at the beautiful leaves. I can't get over. What if, I'm so glad our God is a creative God and didn't choose for everything to be all one color. You know, you're saying something that isn't offensive to someone necessarily. It's not going to, it's not preachy to them, but it could cause someone to be thinking, Huh? She called her God a creative God. What what does she mean by that? Or and it could could uh, prompt some questions. It could prompt um, some additional conversations. Um, I know with our girls when they were younger, when we would see a fire truck or an ambulance on the side of the road. Of course, all kids went, "Ooh, that's cool! Look at that!" But we, you know, there was one particular accident that we went by that was pretty intense and. I had a hard time with the fact that we were excited to see all the trucks and the lights and the without talking about the rest of it. And so it became something that we just did as a natural thing where we would teach our girls, hey, let's let's turn off the radio. Let's let's Abby, while mom's driving, would you would you pray? We don't know what's going on, but someone's hurt. Somebody's dealing with something rough right now. We need to pray that those first responders will know what to do and that those people will be okay and that God would work in their lives and you know. And so it just it's just a an opportunity to teach an awareness outside of ourselves. Because if, you know, the kids naturally they're excited because they see the fire trucks and that's cool because we've always taught them, oh look at the fire truck, it's fun. But we teach them now when you see that. And so even as they're drivers and as they're older and on their own, you know, they, they notice those things and, and can see them um, because it's that repetitive, it's just what we've done. Um, so um, there's all kinds of examples that we could give about um, the types of teachable moments that you can, you can capture. It's easy to find ones that parents can say to kids because um, that's just kind of how we're wired, that teachers can necessarily say to kids, what are some things that you feel like some opportunities with a coworker or a neighbor or 
um, an extended family member. We're about to be with family over Christmas uh, how many, and Thanksgiving. How many of you have unsaved family members that you're going to be around? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what are, some, what are some opportunities, you think? Let's, let's brainstorm a little bit. That's really Just a small thing like saying, hey, I put that there so I could remember to pray for your brother, yeah. is a witness. Yeah. And we underestimate sometimes how something simple like that could be. Um, just talking about what God's doing in your life is, is an encouraging thing, too. You know, I'm so excited. We've been praying that we would be able to get uh, this our washing machine fixed. And Steve was able to get some overtime, and it was almost the exact amount that we needed. And I was so excited because we're gonna we're gonna be able to get that taken care of. That's again not an overt, offensive way to witness or to share, but it's such a valuable thing to let other people know that in your home, in your life, you're leaning on the Lord and you're depending on Him and you're asking Him for help for a washing machine. Someone who doesn't know the Lord is like, okay, good for you, you know, but if they see you living it out, then that becomes a little bit closer to reality for them, each one of those steps and those things. You know, discipleship in the home is a very, it's very broad because there's so many different things that you could, that you could touch on to talk about it. But at its core, it's, it is, it does come down to simple decisions. Are you going to obey God and do what he says, or are you going to go your own way? And that, that answer to that question reveals what we will be able to do, what, what, what level of, um, of, spiritual, of the spiritual climate in our home is, is going to be based on whether or not we're willing to be obedient or not. And the same is true of the people that, that you serve in your churches. All, all we can do is be faithful to put, it, to put it out there to them. Those verses from Deuteronomy 6 and Psalm 78 and in Malachi that talk about their, their job as parents. Uh, but, when it all, but it ultimately will come down to whether or not they're going to be obedient to that or not. And so we, we, want, uh, we want you to know that as, as we move forward, we won't see y'all again, but we, we will be thinking of you as, as we go on, and we'll be praying for you and for the parents in your churches that, that they will latch on to that truth and that they will, they'll have their heart transformed by the Lord and uh, that in turn will transform their homes. So that, I mean, that's general, that's about all the material that we have, but if, if we, we could just let you guys, if anybody has any questions or any other things that, that you wanted to, to, to add into the discussion, we'd love to, love to hear from you guys. Otherwise, we'll give you, we're going to give you some, some free time that you didn't maybe expect to have. <laughs> I keep thinking you guys are a little bit ahead of me. My oldest just started college. Um, it's gotten easier to actually have formal stuff uh-huh. as they can take care of themselves. I remember when they were little running around, you're like, hey, sit down, let's have a devotion. It's like <laughs> impossible, really, at that point. Yeah. But as they got older, and they can, we do ours in the morning, but as they can take care of themselves, it's gotten a whole lot easier to sit down and do that. And that's finally, we're like, uh-huh, finally, we this. We wanted to for so long, but yeah. Yes. Different, different ages and different stages do, do present different challenges and opportunities, so that's a great well, and point. Us- 
spent a lot of time feeling guilty that we weren't doing it the way that I thought we were supposed yeah. to do it, that we didn't all gather at a certain time every single day with great attitudes. And then I started looking at the word and realizing the truth of what God's saying is it needs to be every, a part of our everyday lifestyle. And when it's kind of like the concept of the verse, pray without ceasing. Um, someone explained this to me and it made so much sense. It's kind of like an ongoing text thread with the Lord. Mm -hmm. I have some best friends that I, we just, I never delete that thread. We just keep adding all day long, every day. And it may not be for an hour today. It may just be a couple minutes, three or four times today. And then again, we may really have an hour long, whatever. But there's time in between, but it's just constantly there. And like, you know, she'll ask a question and then I'll come back later and give an answer and she'll say more and we just and I think that's the way the Lord intends for it just to be that constant flow that constant open communication with him and so if we're living our lives that way then we're constantly uh, presenting opportunities and looking for ways to be obedient so that he can help us plant a seed or water a seed or harvest a seed yeah so the question is how, how can you how can you keep keep all the ages engaged, basically, because you may have younger ones and older ones. How do you think would be the best way to do that, Katie? Well, there's two things that come to mind. One, I remember a time, uh, a season in our lives where we assigned the girls different night, like you're gonna do this night of our family, whatever time, and you're gonna do this one, and you're gonna do this one, and they were in charge of it. And so it kind of gave them some ownership and they got into it a little bit more during that time. So that was kind of exciting to see what they would come up with. Um, I wish we had kept that going longer mm -hmm. than we did. But I think you um, had uh, kind of had a rule there that was like, no matter what, whoever's in charge of that, we do what they do what they said. Says. It's not, yeah. You know, whether you can't complain you can't, or say I don't like doing that or yes. yeah, <laughs> yeah. The other thing that comes to mind, and I don't want this to sound like an infomercial because I'm so not that way, but I do work for D6 Family, and one of the neatest resources we have is completely free, mm. and it's called Splink. Have any of you heard of Splink? Okay, so if you go to d6family.com, um, you'll see a little Splink thing, or you can just look up Splink, S-P-L-I-N-K. It's a word we made up one day around a table for spiritual link. And this is something that you can sign up for, and every Tuesday, and that's intentional because it's a day you're not already thinking about spiritual things in church in a formal way. Um, and so every Tuesday, you get an email that will have three ideas of how to connect with your family members in a spiritual way. They're fun things, interactive. If there's, th there's always three, one might have ingredients to make something, but the other two are not. So there's always going to be, you're going to find one of them that you can do. Um, and, I, and the way that it's set up, uh, we believe so strongly in it being a free resource that's not a cumbersome or um, annoying thing, is you're not also going to get a bunch of additional marketing from D6 Family with this. Now, other things you sign up for, you might. It'll say, do you want the newsletter for this or that? But if you sign up for Splink, you're getting Splink. Yeah. Um, and so it's really worth looking at. This is something that you can connect, you can send out to the other families in your church. You can get them to sign up for it. 
but it's just going to pick a topic, and so it might be faithfulness this week. And so there will be three simple ways to connect with people um, on the topic of faithfulness. Um, now, it correlates with our D6 curriculum in that if you use it and the curriculum, that family theme that Splink does yeah. is also the family theme for the week with the curriculum, but it doesn't have to. Splink can totally be a standalone thing. Um, and it's 100% free. So I give it out to anybody you know who might want this. D6family.com. And D6 is from Deuteronomy 6. Um, so that's something that I think you'll find helpful. And there's back um, archives. I was trying to think of the word. Yeah, you feel like there, years there's archive back. stuff. So you can you could pick a topic that you're wanting yeah. something on. It doesn't have to just be the one. So you can actually see Splinks uh, before Tuesday. You don't have to wait till the email comes out. You can go to the website and see some as well. Um, so I think that's that's something that may be helpful. Um, and again, keeping it simple, um, not making it too heavy or too detailed, um, but make it be a light, simple thing and then touch base. Like, does your older child text? Okay, so see, I would even with that one, to go a little deeper with her, even though, or him, if you do the unified thing, then send a text, because they love to text, um, and just say, hey, what did you think about this? Or I was thinking about this after we had our family time the other night and thought about you and your friend Kaylee, you know, just wanted you to know I'm praying for that situation or whatever. Um, and you can kind of open up dialogue and they may say some things to you and respond in text in ways they wouldn't in person just because that's how they're wired these days. You've been listening to the Disciple Makers podcast. The message you just heard was from D6 Families track called Discipleship in the Home. Download their free church health assessment PDF with 30 simple questions that will help you know how your church is doing at family discipleship. Download it at discipleship.org d6. You'll find dozens of other great discipleship resources at discipleship.org as well. May the Lord bless you as you seek to grow as a disciple maker.